Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. Fantastic Noise. A podcast about making radio from the University of Bedfordshire. Hello, I'm Terry Lee. This is the Fantastic Noise podcast. I thank you for your time and I thank you for your ears. Visualisation is a big word. It's also the title of this episode. But what are we talking about exactly? Visualisation, in radio terms, is any technique for creating images, diagrams or animations to communicate your audio message. There are lots of ways to do this effectively, thanks to social media especially, and joining me in the studio to find out more is a current broadcast journalism student from the University of Bedfordshire, Luke Walsh. Hello, Luke. Hello. Uh, Luke, you're a keen social media user, and you use it a lot to publicise your radio programmes. Good to say that. Yeah, yeah, a radio lab. So does it does it help you, Luke, or is it a distraction from your on-air output? Definitely not a distraction. You've almost got to do it yourself uh, here at Radio Lab. And so what I felt with social media is that it's almost a platform for myself to, in, in one way, call out anyone and everyone who uh, accepts my challenge essentially uh, but at the same time it's about being able to approach these people and say this is what I'm doing I like your work I, I, I like who you are let's talk let's get it on air and let's yeah let's make good quality radio okay so you're, you're almost using your social media as a uh, a guest recruitment tool for your your interview programs I'd say hit list but I, I suppose you've got to have that sort of mentality because if you don't, then you're just going to quickly run out of ideas. Coming up in today's podcast, we're going to hear from Anne Charles, a radio producer with a penchant for the techie. Uh, she is also very interested in the visualisation of radio. We will also hear from Scott McGurty about his Dance Revolution programme from Spark in Sunderland and how it uses the Facebook Live platform. Later, as always, we shall be analysing some radio jargon with the Radio Word of the Week and making our weekly visit to Dr Laurie Hallett's Radio Surgery. But first, communication expert Julian Treasure once said that your listening is as unique as your fingertips, and so is everyone else's. Let's find out what you've been listening to recently. What are you listening to? Hi, my name's Dan. I work in construction. My favourite podcast is Quickly Kevin Will He Score. It's a 90s football stroke comedy podcast hosted by Josh Widdicombe, the comedian. I usually listen to it on the way to work, on the way home from work, and it just reminds me of my youth and makes me laugh out loud. Hi, my name's Jackie. I'm 32. I live in Sussex. I like listening to Kistery. All the 90s R&B music reminds me of all the summers I had when I was uh, in my teens. Hi, my name's Mark. I'm 36. I'm from Norwich. I've been listening to Viking FM because of the varied music, the strings and the rock. Please do contact us and tell us about something you've been enjoying listening to. I'd love to include your voice in a future episode. Fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk Luke, there we heard from three different listeners. Dan, who likes a 90s football podcast, Jackie, who loves history, and Mark, who likes a rock station. What are you enjoying listening to at the moment? In radio terms, I mean, I, I can't pin it down on one, I suppose. I mean, you've always got to have a good range. RT Radio 1 is always a favourite of mine, uh, being a proud Irishman uh, and listening to the work they do, whether it's Sunday sport and uh, you know, the sports section over there. I mean, 
you, you think English commentary is uh, fantastic. Go listen to uh, some of the, the Gaelic commentaries and their, their hyperboles that they use. It's fantastic. But also their day-to-day sort of stuff. Uh, Ryan Tudbury, of course, again, is doing an amazing show there. And as, as well, that they're, they're very much on the forefront of, again, Irish news, but also looking across the world as well because they are more than aware that the Irish community goes far, far more, far mm. wider than Dublin and uh, to Galway, Belfast. To, you know, do you know what I mean? So, that, um, you can almost tune in internationally, but still have a very, very much a huge resonance. Um, but at the same time, I'm favourable to Radio Two, Radio Five, Talksport, that sort of thing. Uh, whether it's a, bo- a good boxing uh, commentary or football, or Chris Evans in the morning, Jeremy Vine for to depress myself in an afternoon. Um, <laughs> there's always something going on. But I, th- I think if I had to pick one, you've got to say three counties at the same time um, because local radio is king. Local radio is where all the hard work is and local radio is where the local news matters, the local content matters and you can almost be proud of what people in your area and your community are producing and making awareness and reporting and so on and so forth. Is there any uh, particular programme on, on BBC Three Counties that you enjoy? Um, there's obviously a mix. Um, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, of course, for example. I mean, his show uh, and the Consumer Hour, but also Treasure Quest he does on, uh, on a Saturday morning. But at the same time, it's about the personalities who work behind it as well. <laughs> Without dro- dropping a name or two, Danny Fulbrook, of course, Radio Lab alumni, is part of the production team there. You've got Justin Dealey, recent uh, University of Beverage graduate, uh, or doctorate, shall we say, Dr. Toby Friedner, it works there as well. But th- th- that team there work incredibly hard to bring the voice to the local people in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Podcasts I'm listening to, because I, th- I believe podcasts are, are different to radio in terms of the form. I'm going to give three or four examples. Um, my, one of my favourite ones of all uh, time is The Bugle uh, by Andy Zaltzman and John Oliver. A uh, quick story about that. I came across John Oliver and Last Week Tonight um, during my college days and I thought it was the greatest programme of all time. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's hilarious. And the podcast preceded it, so it's immensely funny. Big shout out to Ray Jeb guys, Benjamin and Waterfield, the Two Voices production, the Two Voices uh, podcast. They do. Those guys precede me every Sunday on my show. I mean, their content they're producing is so unique and so out of the box. It's 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 incredible. Two hours of great 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 radio from two guys who are really passionate about doing radio. Uh, and and finally, I would say the RTE Sport podcast as well, because essentially with RTE as well, they're so passionate about what they do, especially with Irish sport. And you've got you know Johnny Giles and Eamon Dunphy, of course, talking about the Irish team, and you've got all the GAA pundits talking about the sport as well. It's it's, it's coverage like that where you don't get that over here in Britain or anywhere else in the world. I always share at least one thing I'm listening to as well, Luke. And this time I'm going to say, if you don't say me, I'll cry. Well, that's not what I'm going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> this time I'm going to say hello to Jason Isaacs and mention the Commode and Mayo film review, which is both a BBC five live program and a popular podcast why it works is that it does the in joke thing so well it's not a plain review program it uses its audience as a community of interest so mark kermode's reviews are always good simon mayo's interviews with film stars and directors are on point but ultimately it's a fun listen for film fanatics and for casual film fans alike i'll give you that one have you have you caught the program then yeah so i mean kermode and and mayo uh on a saturday night uh, is where they show but of course their podcast as well those guys are, are very 
talented as well. Mark Hamode, an amazing film reviewer. Simon Mayo is, is one of the legends, of course, on Radio Two and Vibe Live. But they, they just talk. They just talk film, and and they they're not too technical. They're not too basic. They they're at a level where anyone can tune in at any point. It's not one of those shows where you've got to be following it to get it. I mean, you could you can dip in and out of it, and actually, at the same time, if you want to go see a film in the future. Uh, and you know it's coming up you tune into them they'll give you the heads up on it then it's one of those handy tips so back to the focus of this episode visualization Anne charles is a radio production and technology consultant she works with radio stations around the world to help them get the most out of their radio tech and is currently creating a course about how to best use social media with radio visualization i started by asking her to give me some more details yeah, so one of my big hobby horses is about the visualisation of audio, which is a particularly grand set of words, but it's how we can share audio online, because obviously social media is where a lot of our audiences are, and if we spend a lot of time crafting a lovely radio show or a podcast we want to make sure that that content is able to be used and get a bit further Mm. so I'm doing some work in how to help people to just practically think about how they're going to visualize their audio um, and different ways that you can make little pieces of content that you can share online so that people get more people get to your programs and the bits of content that you've made so for example we know that online in order to share something, you need a picture of some kind because you can't just sort of share a piece of audio and say, oh, listen to this, because people don't know what it is. They don't know why they should click on it and and why they should spend their time with your content. So it's about different ways and different creative ways that you can add some kind of pictures to your audio so that your audio goes further. I've heard the term audiograms being used recently Mm -hmm. are you able to describe uh, exactly what an audiogram is yeah so an audiogram is a tool that was developed as a piece of open source software and the way i usually describe it is a wiggly waveform so if you've seen a piece of content on twitter or facebook and it's been um, an audio piece how do you know that it's audio well if you imagine in your mind's eye that there might be a, a picture with a photograph of the content, maybe the person or the something to indicate the topic of the show, and then maybe your station's logo, and then a very wiggly animated waveform that's kind of jumping up and down over the top of it, and that gives your eye a little indication that it's an audio piece. So if you click on it, you know what you're expecting, that you're expecting to hear something. With things like Twitter and, and Facebook and sharing of pictures, are there is there any evidence to suggest that pictures and videos uh, work more on the algorithms of, of these social media sites? Do, do these sorts of media content get more shared? Um, so I guess there's two parts to that question because it's does it improve your rankings in the algorithm and then does it help more people to, to find out about your content? Mm. Um, the answer to does it improve more people hearing your content is really it depends what day of the week it is and what the companies are currently prioritizing in their certain strategy because obviously their own algorithms are their own secret source and they change them all the time there was a time when facebook was prioritizing certain types of video over a normal text post but you know they change they change their mind all the time so i think you just need to produce stuff that you're happy with and then let the other companies do whatever they're going to do with it 
In terms of sharing, I don't have particular stats. I know, that, however, that for certain radio stations, it has meant that their content has gone a lot further, that instead of people just hearing something on a live show and then it being over and done with, a good extract that's shared online can then have a whole other audience of its own and maybe millions of people can view or listen to that item that would never have heard it on the standard show. What social media platforms seem to work best for radio and and what examples of their use have you found the most interesting? Well, that, as with anything, is going to depend on your audience and where you are in the world and how old they are and what they like doing. Um, Facebook is obviously really big for a certain section of the population. Twitter's a bit more niche. And then on the use brands, you might be having um, Snapchat is still pretty big. Um, Instagram's kind of doing interesting things with the Instagram TV and the, the stories format. So that is going to really depend on your station and who you're making content for. Um, you're asking about good examples? Yes, yeah, it'd be fascinating if you have any. So visualisation's an interesting one because um, a lot of people think about it in terms of the automatic camera systems you might have in studios. So those are being done very well by LBC, the UK-based um, news station run by Global. They have done very well out of having an automatic camera in the studio, just running all the time, And then if something interesting happens, they have a really good caller or a really killer question being asked to an MP, they can then clip that up and share it. And James O'Brien and Nick Ferrari, for example, have both done very, very well using that kind of technology because they were making their program anyway. They're still making absolutely wonderful radio. And because they had some pictures very easily able to be added to it, they were able to be shared all over the place. And I'm sure a lot of your students and will have seen in their Facebook feed kind of examples of James O'Brien talking to callers about Brexit. You know, that's been a good topic for them. Or there was a famous one in the run up to the general election where Nick Ferrari asked a question of Diane Abbott and she wasn't able to answer and give the correct figures. And I think that content was then even used on television news that evening. Um, So they've done very well with the automatic camera style of visualisation. Um, I've also seen some interesting things being done with text and with audiogram style. Anchor, the online platform, are constantly producing tools that help their platform users visualise their content. And they're doing some very interesting things. I'd probably keep an eye on what they're up to because they're they're forever making little audio tools. Um, They've got an option where you can automatically transcribe stuff and it turns it into a, a kind of a Wordle style video. Um, so they're definitely pushing and thinking social first in terms of their audio content, which is an interesting approach. If you're an up-and-coming radio presenter or a producer getting into radio, you're looking to promote your radio programmes using social media, do you have any like top tips, the best things to do? Yes, yeah, so definitely share some content, but don't don't try and kind of live stream your entire show unless you know why you're doing it. We found out that the best content is stuff where you're sharing a clip maybe maybe a bit longer than you might think so it doesn't have to be a 20 second clip it could be two to four minutes seems to be quite a nice amount of stuff so a a clip from the show or two or three clips from the show with a picture or a waveform or some automatically generated text, something that's visually interesting enough, it's going to cause what they call a thumb-stopping moment Mm -hmm. um, on your feed so that people click through and listen. But remember that the audio is always coming first. We're audio storytellers first, and the pictures are there 
to support that content. We're not trying to make bad television. So I'd say two to three clips of two to three minutes. You could, if you've done a prereq, you could use a little clip of that as a trail that you're putting on your social media to get people to listen to the live show. Or if you've had a piece of content that's gone really well in the program, you can then use that as a standalone piece afterwards. And then always signpost to where people can get more of that so, you know, let people know that they can listen to your particular show or subscribe to your podcast, give them a call to action at the end and always do subtitles and a transcript because a lot of the time, ironically, people are accessing radio content by having their speakers off and scrolling through it on social media and just reading the subtitles. Mm. So as well as it being important for accessibility, it also means that if people can't listen because they're on a train or something, they can still get an idea of what the content's about to make a decision about whether they want to click through and, and hear more. And as well as subtitles, if you provide a transcript, that also gives Google something to hang on to so that they can actually find out what's inside your content. It's not just about making it shareable, it's also about making it searchable. And what about social media usernames and, and things like that? With regard to having all these different social media platforms, is there... Are there any rules with regard to how you should have different social media usernames and things like that? Um, I think it depends what you're using it for. Obviously, if you're working at a radio station, then the the group will have some sort of brand guidelines about what platforms they're going to be on and how they talk about themselves on there. Um, I think people can really overthink their personal social media accounts a bit too much there are a lot of people who will tell you you know build a brand and try and be this and try and be that and I think it depends it depends what platform you're on and how you're using it we're constantly talking about being our real selves in in radio you know so so be be yourself really Uh, it's different if you're operating on a you know an official account or something like that if you have an official radio personality account that's linked to a particular station there might be guidelines about how you're approaching things but the rest of the time be polite and and think about your own personal online safety but you need to be yourself because the whole industry is about you sharing your personality so don't try and pretend to be something that you're not and what are you listening to at the moment are there any like radio programs or podcasts that you really enjoy Oh, so many, so many. Um, my friends got me onto a podcast a little while ago called 20,000 Hertz, mm. which is spelled out as um, as the word rather than as the number. And that's all about sound and the sounds in everyday life. And it's beautifully produced. Um, it's well worth going through the back catalogue of that. There's also um, Rennie Edo-Lodge um, did a mini-series called About Race, which is worth going back through from the beginning. It's quite a short series, and it's a really interesting social history of the UK. And because a lot of it's focusing on time from the 70s onwards, there's 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 a lot of the stories in there that you'll go, oh, I remember that happening. Mm. Um, and and it's, it's, it's just a really interesting kind of social history, recent history of the UK. And then, again, another one to start from the beginning of, because it won't necessarily make sense if you jump in halfway through, but How to Be a Girl, um, produced by Marlo Mack. She is, um, she's just resigned to go freelance entirely, but she's a, a radio producer in the US, and it's all about her and her daughter, but it's beautifully produced, and it's all about what it's like to be bringing up a, a daughter who's trans and just 
all the questions and the everyday experiences that you have to get along with and work out what's going on. But I like all of those because they've been well produced. The storytelling's well thought through. It's clearly had people involved who know how to record and know how to edit and know how to craft a story and not just people who are sitting down and recording whatever comes off the top of their head and stopping and starting and not doing any editing and it's not a brain dump podcast it's it's curated and all of those three are produced and and really well thought about so i'm enjoying all of those and charles there with some fascinating stuff about radio visualization luke did hearing Anne give you any ideas for your own social media use when promoting radio programs she brings up a very good point there uh with the audiograms you it's, it's an interesting concept because it looks funky and of course it's a great visual of course mm. um in the past on my show i've almost gone far too old school in terms of i would put audio in, into uh premiere pro or a video video software uh, and just stick pictures on it and uh, do it the old-fashioned way but i suppose with audiograms i mean it, it can be a, a, a slicker process but it, on, on the other side i think people like to see who they're listening to in the same way. Mm. Um, I think they almost want to put a, 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 a face to a name uh, in, in some respects rather than just sound waves, which, yes, can look cool and you can have logos and, and so on, but it, it doesn't really resonate with the audience in terms of you, they're not really sure who they're listening to. But at the same time, it, it, it's, it's the future um, and it's an interesting concept and who knows where it's going to go in the next five or ten years. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the audiograms, Luke. I, I've been trying to uh, uh, attempt playing with these for, mm. for the promotion of this podcast, for yes. example. And, and I found a website called Headliner, which is free to use and, and you can create audiograms relatively straightforwardly if I can do it, anyone mm-hmm. can. Um, and, and I think it's something that we're going to try and incorporate more in our teaching yeah. in, in future years just because it does seem to be a, a trend of radio and it's a good way of previewing programs as well. So if you've got any pre-recorded content, you can snatch it 30 seconds or a minute yeah. or so and, and, and turn it into a shareable file in that yeah. way. She talked to us well about social media algorithms and, and how they're hard to predict. I mean, this is it goes into the realms of um, way beyond my skill set when you're talking about things like this, but do you ever consider what social media websites are sharing more of when you put a post up? When people talk about algorithms, it's far more technical than it has to be. I mean, it's not about what Twitter or Facebook is producing and putting up or Spotify. It's about just putting the content out there and just getting it out to as many people as you can. It's not about what the algorithms and the scientists and the boffins you know, think is popular and, 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 and whatnot. It's actually about just putting out as much as you can uh, and trying to get as wide audience as you can. Because essentially, you, you can't rely on, on those algorithms. They're far too complicated for anyone. If, if you can figure it out, then you, you've already got a first-class degree. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for the common man, I mean, you, you can't figure it out. Just get as much out as possible. Try to get out as, as, as much as possible. Uh, and don't stop plugging. Yeah, and, and on that theme, actually, one, one other thing that stood out from our conversation with Anne was her talking about social media platforms, sometimes having their own audience and, and you know having an identity to your social media platform. Yeah, I think with... Radio Lab, for example, we do have an audience in terms of making a presence in the in the community in Luton uh, and in Bedfordshire and the university as well, and about what we're putting up on our social media feeds, which nine times out of ten is promotions for my show and whatnot. It's about you know reaching out to them, 
reaching out to them and saying, look, this is what we're doing. This is what we're up to. Check us out. Look, you know, look us up. Give us a listen. Mm, yeah, the, co- the radio content is is king, I guess. Yes. But but I guess at the same time, I'm thinking um, from a person overseas this point of view, mm. like maybe we need to start thinking about, I guess, making our social media language that more consistent. So maybe making sure that we don't have lots of different people writing in very different ways on our social media channels and you know some using emojis some using plain text some using um abbreviated speak or, or whatever but you've got to keep it unique haven't you but at the same time you don't want every single post to be copy and paste you want it to i, th- I think in a tweet or in a, po- a social media post it has to represent in a as small nutshell as possible what the show, what it represents and what it can offer. Whether it's about the content or what's coming up or almost the personality of the person behind it. It always has to represent you in however many characters it is or less. Scott McGurty is the man responsible for Spark Sunderland's Dance Revolution show. The programme uses Facebook Live as a behind-the-scenes live stage and it's a captivating use of the platform. I spoke to Scott to find out about how he does it, but first, a short clip from the Dance Revolution programme. And if you want to see behind the scenes, check us out on Facebook. Dance Rev 1 on Facebook. You can catch us live. Scott, as well as being a member as well of the amazing radio team, you're you're significantly involved in in Spark Sunderland and, and the work they do up there. One thing... I see a lot of from Spark on my Facebook feed is you <laughs> in the studio. Sometimes because I'm the best one, that's why. No, <laughs> <laughs> but you're presenting, as you say, your Dance Revolution show. Can you describe to us what you're doing when I'm watching you on Facebook? What's going on? Um, we've created a system where people can watch me do the show a bit like what you would have seen historically with like five live and stuff like that. But instead of just actually watching the show, you can hear the music high quality through the desk. So they don't hear me in the studio. They hear the music. But what we did is we put a system in place so that we can actually talk back directly to the Facebook live audience or the Periscope audience or anything like that. But it allows um, us to play high quality music on the Facebook while they watch us, but they don't have to hear the boring in-betweens when we're trying to figure out, you know, who's who's won a competition or if the interview's late and what we're going to do in the next link and stuff. So it's, it's a very controlled way to, to watch the show and to kind of get VIP access to the show beyond what you would hear on the FM feed. Wow. And, and what sort of technology are you using to, to enable that to happen? It kind of evolved. So um, I just accidentally once Googled about um, how, to, how to turn your bottom of your phone output you know where you put your headphones how to turn that output into an input and um, it turned out if you're a musician you'll know of something called like an iRig 2 which is something that uh, guitar players tend to use to get the sound recorded from their guitar into their phone and as soon as I kind of twigged that hold on a second this technology works we thought right we're going to try it just to see if there's a way that we can actually broadcast on it so we started with an iRig 2 which is a really simple way to take an output from the desk with just a, a normal cable and that'll allow us to do it on the phone and then eventually we've 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 pushed the boundaries and we've evolved from using an iPhone, which was using all of my my 4G, into getting some webcams and using a piece of free software called OBS, which, if you know about it, it's a really simple piece of software. For me, I didn't know, and I'm actually a bit of a technophobe, so to kind of discover it, I thought I was like 
recognizing something fantastic and being the most creative person ever. But um, to radio tech people, they're like, yeah, that's just a really simple way. And actually, there's there's better paid for products out there. But for a free piece of software and being able to wire the webcams in, get the desk in, it's just it's pretty simple. We can we can all explore that when when we get a chance. Webcam and OBS. Can you also describe Scott to us what you're doing in the studio? Because obviously we know we we've got an idea now how it works, but what are you delivering for people that are choosing to to watch you on Facebook and things like that? Right. Well, this is where my show is particularly special, and where I wouldn't recommend visualized radio for. Uh, a lot of shows, probably about 90% of shows, I'd say no. But the style of the show is just a commercial dance Friday night show with a little bit of vibe. The music never stops. And I do just very simple play and link. So a little bit of a back announce, a little bit of a forward announce, a, a shout out to anybody that's messaged in and stuff. And there is like a little bit of specialist knowledge in there. But the show is not completely dependent on me rehearsing links and getting everything done in between songs. All of the prep's been done. It's all about the curation, and that's done before I walk into the studio and I've set it up. So what people see is me pretty much starting the show. They hear me doing the actual links. They can see my red light come on. But at the same time, then, I have one-to-one conversations with them. So people comment on the feed. I press my talkback button, and then I have a chat to them about their week. I have tried to have a couple of lions to get some hours back here because I'm a bit over my hours, but it didn't really work. What about you, Lee? What's been the highlight of your week? And I talk to them about the songs and I get some immediate feedback about the songs that you don't usually get through, you know, a text system or a tweet because if somebody's listening on FM, it's likely in a car. They're not going to remember the remember the address, pull into a bus stop, get their phone out, find the page, do the tweet and then send the message at seven steps. Whereas I just appear on Facebook Live. But you will see me side on hosting the radio show with uh, some direct talking to the camera that the FM audience and the online audience for the web stream cannot hear, mm. but you, you get an exclusive. And if I really like the track, you get me uh, up dancing to some of the tracks and on request, on occasion, I will do some headstands and the odd cheesy kind of dad dance move, but not too often. I like to remain credible. <laughs> Emma Millen. Oi, oi. Victoria Usher. Hello. What I really like as well, um, with your with your dance music and, and that whole vibe of your program, it is the light show that you've got on. Oh yes, uh, yeah. So that was kind of um, I think that was accidental at one point. So somebody brought in some Christmas lights. Just uh, it was a, an ex DJ brought in just one of the little dome lights that cost probably about six or seven quid on Amazon, and he brought them in to do it on his own personal mobile at the time, and we we thought it'd be quite funny to try it. And so we brought that in. He brought in some laser lights and stuff as well. And then it turned out that other people in Spark just love having them on while they're doing their shows, even though their shows aren't on Facebook Live or visualized. They just love having the, the lasers and stuff on because it makes them like feel a bit more pumped. And sometimes we get uh, better energy and a bit more personality out of them. But yeah, so we've just got two like really, really cheap uh, laser lights and a, a dome light just on the floor that you can just buy on Amazon if you're you know, a cheap bedroom DJ. And it looks really effective in the studio, depending on the light intensity coming in. You know, so summer's a bit weird because the sun's still up when the show's on. Winter, it looks really effective because, you know, it, it's very, very dark in the studio. But there's always this balance in of, you know, the video is not about having the best frame of me and the best angle. So people that watch and are into, you know, TV production and film production will be like mortified with the camera angles. But it's not about that. It's just about the quick access to us and the really basic practicality of it all mm, and, and and it's fascinating to think that a light show 
can like, help pump up and motivate other presenters on the station, even when other people aren't necessarily watching it. I mean, maybe oh, no. that's a yeah. motivating technique maybe we should all be trying. Well, something like that. And do you know what it is? It's because we've got really well kitted out studios at Spark, but um, a lot of the people that volunteer as part of Spark are like university students. And what they do see nowadays is they see Arma Van Buren doing a sound of trance. They see Roman Kemp on Capitol in these studios. If they go into, you know, Leicester Square themselves, what they see and experience is proper professional, really expensive lighting systems. Yeah. Um, Radio One's the same. I think that that just gives them that little bit of change that they're used to but we're very big on the radio studio as an atmosphere it's a stage and even if you're not on facebook live or anything like that you do not come into the radio studio and disrupt people because you wouldn't do it on you know the um the a stage of chicago was on you wouldn't just come and disrupt somebody in the middle of it the whole beginning to end of your show is a performance from the minute you walk into that studio and you need to be in that zone so your environment's actually really really vital scott what are the limitations with the facebook live platform what have been like the, the things that haven't quite worked oh god it's it's never ending at the moment so um when we started the the 4g was a problem because we were using all of the personal 4g and then we brought in some uh 4g boxes off one of my friend's accounts and we used all of them across a month we would use this full alliance then we moved on to when we moved on to the webcam system we found that actually that computer wasn't very strong uh it wasn't capable of coping with more than one webcam and there was then also the the kind of wi-fi restrictions and stuff too so if there's a lot of people in the building things like that were getting affected but we've upgraded that pc that pc is now really strong with the internet connection so it works really well it does get grumpy with webcams but that's just the the nature of pcs mm-hmm. uh we sometimes on occasion can get through up to three webcams running on it which are hd webcams but uh, the biggest challenge has been you know, the, the legal restrictions around copyrighted content on Facebook. So there isn't really a license yet that you can buy to broadcast music. We never at any point claim that the music's ours. It's really clear from the type of broadcast that it is a platform to showcase others' work. Yep. We've gone through phases depending on what Facebook's doing. So as they change their algorithm, things get more challenging. So we went through a phase right at the start where there was absolutely no problems the broadcast would go out and it would be done. People could watch it all week. Then it went to a phase where it would cut us off straight away the minute it recognized any music. Um, kind of It blocked our page at one point. So we used to do it on the um, the actual Spark radio station page, but they blocked us for six days at one point. And I was like, right, we cannot do this anymore because it's actually going to affect mm-hmm. the other shows in the station and not allow them to have that Facebook platform. So it's really selfish and really kind of unethical. So we decided to move it on to like a, a separate Dance Revolution page just to see what happened and to watch what was happening with Facebook and to see if actually we can heal that page and get it back onto the Spark page. But it's just changed and evolved constantly. So um, at the moment, we went from actually they would just give us a warning after the show. We would then appeal it and say, yes, it's fine. They would never do anything with it. But we're now at a point where whenever the record labels um, Universal, Warner and Sony recognize any sort of a song, it cuts the video off. And then what it does is it mutes the music within the video. So we can start the show at seven o'clock. And we actually, some of the audience take bets. This is how funny it's become now. (laughs) The audience plays their bets at the start of the show to see how quickly the video is going to go off. So the quickest is a minute and a half. The longest recently has been 40 minutes. But um, they all place, some of them place their their times as to when they think that one of the record labels is going to block us. It's just difficult because if there was a license available for us to do that, we we would pay for that. We don't have access. You can't contact the record labels. You can't contact Facebook. There's no appeals process for it really. But there is like one box we get now and we can type in it after the video cancels on us um, and it always gets 
lifted. So um, Sony always lift it. Uh, Warner never lift it, but by seven days, if they haven't responded, it gets lifted by Facebook. So they give you back the content. So after after a week, it's there. But what they're not getting as an audience now is they're not getting the full three hour video because we don't like to restart the video every time it goes off because it affects the algorithm on Facebook. It uh, pesters the audience and we don't want to be like unfollowed. Uh, on Facebook. So it's a bit of a faff on, but we expect as soon as we get somewhere in this phase, something changes and it just brings up a new challenge. So we always have to decide whether we're really going to stick with it and do it. And it's actually kind of fizzling out a little bit at the moment. We're just being really careful and selective about what we do. Well, as someone that, that has labelled themselves a technophobe, Scott, you, you appear to have uh, learned a lot from this experience and, and you're talking about yeah. regulations and how the regulations, I guess, are behind technology. You must have learned a lot from all this. Yeah, the weird thing is and what we have learned is our, our audience for Sparks 15 to 25 and what we have seen is actually the people that we've got 10,000 people follow our page. What we're seeing is it's the top end of the demographic and what we've learned pretty quickly is actually under 21s just really don't engage on Facebook. They're not really there. They are very much big on Snapchat. Uh, you're kind of lucky if you can get them on Insta. But that's what we've been able to see from that. So the Facebook Live actually for our target audience is really becoming less and less important from a radio show perspective. And it's just about if we're at an event, actually just being out with an iRig mic, which again is a built-in microphone that you can just plug into your phone and just being somewhere in the station and going, oh, do you know what it is? Hold on a sec. There's a bunch of like, you know, Raji's in a field listening to a bit of happy hardcore and then going over and interviewing them and saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? How's your summer holidays going? Stuff like that's working for us and getting the youth market. But the Facebook Live, is the top end of the demographic, so it doesn't really have a full life as it stands. Are you tempted to try and do something similar with with Facebook Live and other platforms, with other programs, be it on on Spark or, or anywhere else? Has this experience made you think beyond Dance Revolution, maybe with other people as well? There's definitely certain shows. So it depends on the show. I wouldn't broadcast a full show because, like I say, a lot of it, a good radio show shouldn't be visual in many respects, but certain elements within it should be. So if you've got a live session guest comes in, then a really strong Facebook Live will be really good, especially if they've got their own unique material that the record labels aren't going to identify and do. So that would be perfect. If you're doing some great interviews on your radio show that have no music in the background, like you've got a great guest in, something like that, and getting the timing right and forewarning your audience that at quarter past five, this person's going to be on. Make sure and join us on our Facebook Live. Mm. Stuff like that's really good. But what we did do and what OBS allows you to do, and we tried it last week, was we went around uh, a couple of guys that I'm friendly with of the show that are, that are DJs and are really popular with our youth culture in Sunderland have a club night. They've just opened like a bar and lounge um, which serves food and it has nightclub vibes and stuff to it as well. And it's kind of like the hangover place to go. And we, we tried to do the Facebook Live and we were doing the Facebook Live and the actual video, the whole of Facebook crashed. So our video stopped. The bits that had gone out, it completely pitch changed my voice and made me sound like a chipmunk. So we had to decide what we did. So we deleted that that video immediately before it had taken up people's timelines. And then we redid that video and recorded it onto my iPhone. You know, it wasn't live, but what we did is we were able to extract that file from the iPhone. And then OBS allows you to rebroadcast stuff. So we were able to put out that video an hour later not spam people's timelines, but it went out as a live video, but it had been pre-recorded. Um, you do have to notify and put that on the, the front of the, the, the video itself. But it went out as a Facebook Live, which, again, Facebook Lives are attracting more stats on Facebook at the moment, whereas like a generic word post or maybe a meme don't, but the Facebook Lives tend to be doing quite well algorithm-wise at the moment. Scott, what are you listening to at the moment? Are, are there any radio programs or podcasts or things like that that you're enjoying? 
there's loads of stuff at the moment and um, I'm trying to get myself more and more into a podcast zone but a lot of the time whenever I'm listening to stuff I'm actually doing feedback for people that I know so I'm trying to deviate from people that I've got really close relationships with at the moment but one of my favorite things I do uh, listen to that one of my friends has done is a, a podcast called Help I Sexted My Boss mm. uh, which is uh, one of the DJs on Radio 1 called Jordan North and it's a podcast that he's doing with his I'm trying to think what you call it is he's got a an elocution teacher because he's he's from Burnley he's a very northern lad and he's been trying to get as much support as possible to become as eloquent a radio presenter as he can but on that journey he learns a lot about the middle class and that is not the background he comes from so I think that's a really interesting story hearing him try different foods and things like that for the first time but that's my most highly recommended thing right now help I sex my boss Scott McGurty from Spark Sunderland talking about how Dance Revolution does radio visualisation on a budget and the challenges. Luke, did Scott give you any ideas about using those social media live platforms? What he was saying about copyright and about you know the music producer and whatnot, I think part of it is common sense because what I do with my show, if I have a live musical guest in, in, in the show, of course I'm going to stick it live because you want to be able to give the audience who are not necessarily fans of the show, but fans of the artist performing, you want to give them an, another chance to view the performance. So what I do, I put their acoustic performances live because I know, it, again, the music belongs to them and, and, and so on. To play other people's music or, or, on that sort of thing is such a common mistake when people go live because they think, oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> they, 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 they won't pick up on things. They do. Audio would just cut out, it'd go high pitch, it would be ruined. Well, um, what I quite enjoy from seeing Scott's videos and the live videos that he does is is that behind-the-scenes content. You know, he, he spends a lot more time talking just to, to Facebook Live users than he does when he's just talking on the radio programme. People in Sunderland listening in their cars don't get half the content that you get from watching the Facebook video. He's actually having proper... Um, conversations with you know up to hundreds of people at a time, and they're they're interacting with him in a way mm. that it's it's a really interesting and, and different use of the medium. And and I accept the copyright issues have made it difficult, and and he talks about the real challenges yeah. with that. But if that wasn't an issue, if there was a way around the copyright issues, do you think that's something going forward that 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 could be used more often in those sorts of programs? I think. With the copyright issue aside, it I would say it takes away some of the glamour of of radio because if if, if people watching radio aren't necessarily getting the whole, I mean yes they're viewing it and yes they're listening to it, but they're not actually engaging in the same way as they, if they put on on an FM frequency. But it's, it's it's difficult to say because people would other people would say yes, other people say yes. I mean. It, it helps for their show and it helps for their product but i think in in my opinion i think it doesn't really make like you want radio to be pure unless it's a a unique circumstance i.e um a really big guest coming on or again a live performance you you want it to keep it radio and you want to keep the audio as precious as possible so that's just my two cents on it, really. No, no, it's, it's really interesting. What, what about what Scott was saying to do with the studio visuals and the importance? Because he compared, uh, for example, the Capital Radio Breakfast Show with Roman Kemp. Mm-hmm. And if you see the Capital Studios, which are uh, amazingly Space lit. Age. Yeah, exactly. Space Age radio studios. And, and how 
maybe it's important for for anyone that gets that that content mm-hmm. of inside the studio to i guess get a jazzed up version and and see like the light show and things like that do you think the visuals of of studios are are becoming more important in the social media age i think it's been and gone it was a big thing about five or ten years ago he said about bbc5 live of course um when again they would have a camera on their guest and you see them talking and and so on and radio one did it for a while as well Uh, and at, at times they still do you don't see it as much anymore um yes you've got capital and yes you've got the other guys but i suppose in one sense uh with capital it is commercial radio and i suppose without getting too much into it it's about the budgets and the finances uh and the technology available to them but at the same time it's about what the audience is doing what the audience is getting out of the product it's uses and gratifications uh, shall we say so if the audience is for example watching the show and again engage with, with the host great i mean that they're, they're engaging with radio and they're producing good product great I, I, what you find is that most people would have the radio on in the background they're doing something else and so on and so forth so essentially watching them won't really make any difference so what you're essentially looking at is that losing the almost the, the uniqueness and the the blessed i suppose the blessed sacrament of of, of radio of, of of being what it is and and being audio it almost loses touch with the fact well why would people watch it when all they're doing is just listen to it in the background if you want to contact us here at fantastic noise i'm always keen to make this podcast as interactive as possible so do get in touch uh, here are a few messages and feedback i've received recently uh, hello to john who enjoyed hearing radio 2's tim johns talking about packages and avoiding swans uh, jan contacted us to ask about making an episode about women in uk radio uh, there is an episode in the pipeline jan so stay tuned as it were. Uh, And hello to Ian, David and Aaron, who are new subscribers of the podcast. It's good to have you on board. If you want to get in touch, be it with stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback or something else, here are the contact details. Contact us. Email. Fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash a fantastic noise. Instagram and Twitter. At a fantastic noise. Now, with some advice on how to edit an audio interview to perfection, we go not just to a radio lecturer, but a radio deity. The Oracle himself. (laughs) Indeed. It's time for Dr. Laurie's radio surgery. I'm Dr. Laurie Hallett, Senior Lecturer in Radio and Journalism at the University of Bedfordshire. When you're editing an interview, don't edit out all the ums and ers that can happen in normal conversational speech. Remember also to make sure that the interviewee sounds natural and that you haven't edited out all the breaths they take. If you've recorded lots of audio and you only need a short part of the overall recording, then the best thing to do is usually to look for large blocks of relevant audio and to build your final interview from these. If you do try to edit together lots of separate sentences, it probably won't sound very natural and you'll be making lots of work for yourself. That's Dr. Laurie Hallett, a man who makes a fantastic noise with his choice of shirts alone. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> Luke, when you edit interviews, are you careful not to over-edit the ums and erms and breaths I from them? I don't. Unless it's a legal mine, which I've had before, I don't. Because essentially with interviews, unless it's for what I do in the course with broadcast journalism and of course it's 
um, what the the pieces of audio we need. Uh, for my show, I don't edit at all. You always got to have to let the audio flow. I mean, te- technical wise is, is another matter. I mean, I've had a guest where they've been really quiet like this, and I've got to put it up on audition, and 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 that's understandable. But when when it's the, uh, as I'm doing um, ums and ahs, mm. you always got to let that flow because that, essentially that tells the audience that it's a natural conversation rather than a scripted robotic automatic um interview and that's what that's essentially what my show is about it's about letting a conversation flow letting questions come and go and not letting it be too almost too formal too structured too robotic it sounds like you're a big fan of the like live radio format and, and keeping it live. Of course. You, again, I talk about the, the sacrament of radio. It's about keeping it pure, keeping it natural, keeping it as original as possible. The only exception, of course, is if we're technical, but the sound quality is low and, and so on. But other than that, keep it as pure as possible. Luke, before we go, it's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Radio Word of the Week. Podcast about making radio. This time it's TX, which is short for transmission. Why do we say TX? I don't know. But I often label audio recordings of programmes with a TX and the date that it was broadcast. So, Luke, do you ever use the term TX? No. No, no. But have you come across it? Everyone who's worked in TV, radio has um, come across it. It's one of them things that you, you just get used to, you, you, you have it in your back pocket. That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for updates and previews. Thanks to our guests today, Anne Charles and Scott McGurty. Thanks as well to my co-host Luke Walsh. No problem. Uh, Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin. Stu with a double O. Our announcements were from Freya McCann and our theme music is by Liam Ayton. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team and recorded in the studios of Radiolab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. <laughs>